Welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm also your host, Daniel Colburn. That's right. And we are here with another episode for you and your ears. And for you, been, the listener. We've been gone. We've we been have. in and out. We, we took a brief hiatus, animal style. Um, also, I have a sound for the listener. I waited to, to open this so that they could hear it. I, I you're so kind, sound, Caleb. So, so you're welcome. You're, you're kind to our listeners. Come on now. That's refreshing. <laughs> That's one of That's the greatest some refreshing sounds audio right world. now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take a sip, and then I'll mm. also zoom in on the burp that comes from it mm. when it happens. So the mm. listener can really experience it. That's we're, we're kind to our listeners. We are. D. Cole, how you been, man? I've been good, man. It's been a, it's been a while. It's been um, a hot while. I, you had some stuff. I had some stuff. I had some uh, some animal health issues. Oh yeah, my uh, my poor poor pup Patoon. Uh, she Charlotte's parents came to visit us as they do, and uh, young Patoon hadn't seen him in a few months, and she got real excited. Uh, and she did like figure eights in the yard, you know, like when a dog runs super fast in figure eights, you know, yeah. that move. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she did one of those. Uh, and then the next day she was like limping and then she was like totally couldn't walk at all. Mm. Um, and apparently she herniated a disc in her back. Ooh. Um, so we had to have the spinal surgery on the dog. <gasps> uh, we had to drive to Greenville. We had like an emergency drive to Greenville, South Carolina to like handle the dog back issues it was very scary uh and not inexpensive at all so uh but anyway the dog is recovering she has to live in a crate for four weeks which is unfortunate because she hates that uh like has to exist in the crate solely uh she can go for walks uh to the backyard but we have to like hover over her wow with a leash in the backyard because if she goes down like if her legs collapse for some reason because she's still a little weak a little wobbly yeah and if she goes down she could like hit her face on the ground and like knock her neck back out of alignment oh my gosh so it's like very like while she's healing it's like take no risks of her damaging herself that is an absolute nightmare yeah so we had to cancel a new york vacation pre-laricon because we can't board the dog in this condition so yeah. we were gonna go to Lair- go to New York like a week early, and like be in New York doing cool stuff. But it's like, first of all, we just spent a vacation's worth of money on this dog. Right. Second of all, <laughs> um, that's just not not logistically possible. But all things considered, I would much rather have a healthy dog than a New York vacation. Isn't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Well, that's good news, sort of. Yeah, good news, bad news. Yep. Good news for people who like bad news. Exactly. That's why it's good news. Uh, D. Cole. Um, yes. Oh, a couple quick announcements here. Ooh, this is so Yogi. exciting. Oh, nothing major. Just, uh, you know, the normal Caleb Minor updates. announcements. Caleb's uh-huh. corner. Caleb's Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> it's Caleb's corner. Did it? Um, 
Yeah, so stickers, 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 stickers. Stickers. Ye listener, you, ye know that by the time this hits your ears... Ye, ye knowest. You know ye what? Knowest. We'll probably... I don't know when we're launching this. It's possible that we launched this before I even launched the stickers. But um, I'm launching stickers, sticker packs. So 15 stickers, Laravel stickers, working on the landing page, making it real nice. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be $15 per pack. And Ooh. yep. So I like that's it. That. $15, that's it. Free shipping, 15 stickers. So Perfect. that's going to be fun. That's been super fun, actually. And I can't wait to write up a blog post about the whole process so I can... Have you uh, disclosed the designs of the stickers already? In secret. I've disclosed In most secret. of them on Twitter. Only... But Did you do it on your email list? Yeah. That's ah, classic Caleb style. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't subscribe to my email list, I, I drop goodies. So I, I just put in there... I put in some liveware news, and then at the end, I was like, "Hey, and if you want to see all the designs, reply just, to this email." Just handed you that alley oop. A ton I of. Said, I know you did totally. Here, take this to the bucket, Caleb. Take it. <laughs> uh, tons of people replied. It was kind of crazy. I spent a long time replying to people. <laughs> awesome. So that's great. Yeah, it is good. It was fun to to you know talk to a bunch of people and and you know you did you, the engagement. Yeah, you got to get that good good engagement. You're off the charts with the engagement. Yeah. Good news for any future sponsors of ours. We get the engagement. It's true. It's true. Speaking of sponsors, um, we're going to have a sponsorship. We're going to have a sponsorship. Probably not on this episode, but probably on the next one Yep, is what, what we're thinking. Yep. Uh, we've been talking to a couple of different companies and some people are interested and uh, watch this space. We're going to try and extract some small amounts of money from our labor (laughs) yeah totally and uh and so we you know we like put together this giant list of companies that we would want to sponsor so that we could want to sponsor us so that we could just talk about how much we love these things um and not can we talk about the show on the show real quick what's that can we talk about the show on the show real quick yeah um so yeah so we're reaching out to all these companies that we put on our list and then, like, I get a couple of, like, warm responses from people, right? Where it's like, oh, this is probably going to work out. Like, yeah. we'll probably get this company to sponsor us. And then I have this thing. Do you then, I, and I could have asked you this off of the podcast, but I'm going to ask you on. Do you then continue to email, cold email other companies? Or do you wait for those to land and then start cold emailing other companies? Yeah, that's a good question. Because um, I was, I had this fear that we would get four companies to say yes, and we don't want to have four ads on an episode right. of the podcast. And then, what if I committed wrong? And then, you know, right? Yeah, so I mean, I was, would think that kind of like the 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 rule of freelancing, like always be ABC. Always, I'm just guessing it starts with always be because all that kind of stuff always starts with always be <laughs> a always be B C closing. <laughs> yeah, always be like closing. it's never too early to. To be reaching out to clients, you know, to be getting clients put, and keeping them in a pipeline. So that, I mean, that down. I guess my stock answer would be like, no, reach out to them. And then in the off chance you have this bunch of people, you just say like, hey, right now we're booked for this month's slot. Well, let's do a four episode we'll run next, next month. month, you know. Yep. Cool. Chanel. Chanel. Yeah. So that's going to be cool. So we're going to be able to, we're going to have sponsors of products that we like so that we can talk about yes. things we actually like. 
And we're going we to try our darndest to not just read a script and get them to let us like talk yeah. about it like humans. Yeah. Yeah. Because we are humans. We are. And honestly, I think they'll get more value out of us talking about things that we like. If they know it's good for them. If they do, you know. Um, but yeah, that's that's the plans with the sponsorships. So, you know, uh, no plans to merge army. Do your part and support these people when you find out who they are. Yep. Um, Truth. You want to talk about testing? Yeah, I do want to talk about testing. Great. Because um, you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about testing. And that's such a broad topic that I'm interested to see what you have to say about it right now. Yeah. So... Testing is something that I feel like I'm a pretty good tester. And I I TDD almost everything for years now. And I feel good about it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I don't feel good. And lately I've been not feeling good. Go on. About certain types of tests. So Livewire, for instance. Everything I do in Livewire now, I test before I do Mm -hmm. it. If there's Mm -hmm. a bug, I write a failing test. And then that's how it goes. And it's do you have very a JavaScript good. Test suite? What's that? Do you have JavaScript tests? I do. And they're actually In phenomenal. Jest? Like just today, I needed... Jest? To, yeah, it's Jest. Um, Jest, yeah. Jest is the runner. And then I use some actually awesome package. I forget the name. Um, I should look it up really quick. Um, this awesome JavaScript testing package that... Oh, what, Kent, Kent C. Dodds, I believe... I know him. Um, yeah, I believe it's a package that he made at Facebook, and it's called Dom Testing Library. Oh, yes. I know of that package. Okay, yeah. I imagine it's big in the React community. Is that? I believe it is. I don't know it. I don't know it from experience. I know it from auditing a possible collection of packages and then opting to not use a package. Okay. It's baller. Like, let me just say, I just wanted something that could simulate the dom you know and that i could right and it does a phenomenal job i had a bug in you know if you know class list like on an element like dot class list that fantastic api if you dot class list dot add and then pass in a string like let's say you want to add border and border red or yep now in the now in this the 21st century border red 500 Yes. So you want border and border red. You could say, you would think that you'd be able to say uh, element.classList.add and pass in a string that says border space border red 500, right? Yes. It will throw an error because of the space. It'll say... It, it, you can't have a space in a class name. What's that? Because you can't have a space in a class name. It's looking for one class name. Yeah. Isn't that a little weird, though? Like, I, I would think that... Uh, no, I like that. Yeah. I think that's I, more I think explicit. It's I do. It's more explicit. Yeah, you're right. Um, but it, it it's caught me a couple times. And in Livewire, there's a wire loading directive to like hook into the loading state. So you can do wire yep. loading class and then specify a class that gets added when the component is loading. Mm-hmm. And I passed in two, you know, two classes, a class border and border red. And then it threw that error. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll go to the test. So I went to my Jest test. I have a test called like loading.spec.js I went down to the spot where it's like can add loading you know can add loading class or whatever like duplicated that test renamed it like can add multi-word class loading thing got a Mm -hmm. failure 
you know, changed the assertion, got a failure, and then fixed it in, you know, the code to like split out the classes. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then got it green. Didn't even open the browser. And then I opened the browser and confirmed that it works. But cool. Anyway, yeah. So so Livewire is like pretty well tested JavaScript and PHP. Remember, remember the baseball service Dusk Suite. Yes, that was one of the golden moments of Caleb Porzio. I think. I think that was like a very pivotal moment in how you think about things. Um, and I loved that thing because I inherited it and I loved it. And ever since I've wanted to again, inherit an app where every interaction was tested by a dust test suite. Mm. Yeah. Like, that was cool. It's, that's, that so project cool. is what, like, that's when I got really into dusk and made all those contributions. And yeah. so that's when I made it, components mm-hmm. like that didn't exist and I needed them. Mm-hmm. And so I made them. You made them bunch of other stuff tons of other stuff, of stuff from that project yeah that was that was a very cool moment in work was like because like it was just the first time ever that i had like worked like that hmm. you know yeah. where it's like add this feature like when a credit card comes back and fails in this certain way like it should redirect you to this component yeah and i'm like interesting and then it's just like i just kind of cobble that together in a dusk test and then i watch the browser do it you yes. know Stuff yeah. like that, I miss. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I good. still I avoid dusk at all. I know you've you've if disowned it. Yeah, I mean, I you've it's great. Dusk. It's better than Jest. Like it's better than Jest testing your view components. I believe that. But yeah, but man, maintaining a dusk suite and running them and getting fast feedback. Good luck. It's slow. Selenium, anything Selenium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So yeah, so I've actually I've been having some serious success in the liveware testing realm, and I use a yep. orchestra test bench. Yep, you ever mess with that? Oh yeah, yeah, Ziggy. it's great. Ziggy uses it. That's it's another amazing. one that I generally avoid, but then oh, if, it's so good. It is good. It is. It's like, so I didn't know about orchestra test bench, and you discover it by realizing, like, oh, I don't have an app. You know? Yeah. You're like, oh, I need to shoot. Shoot my goot. How do I, how do I like, how do I test test that I'm at the route that I think I'm at? Well, okay. Well, I guess that's in the router. So do I like inject the router? And they're like, no, because that needs all these dependencies from the app. So I, I need a spun up version of the app. And so then you like go into your test, uh, go into your test case, and you start like starting Laravel in your test case, and you're you're like, someone must have done this already. And then you're like, wait, how does Spotsy do it? And then you go to the Spotsy packages and oh. orchestra test bench, and they're like, "Ah, that's how it's done." Okay, cool. Nice. That was my process of discovering orchestra test bench. Sweet. Yeah, it's it's been around forever, and I remember yeah. encountering it. I feel like Laravel used to promote it more. I don't think you can find any documentation about it now. But yeah. I recall in the past that that was there was like, I think Laravel might have even had a command to make a package. Woo. I'm thinking this might have happened some somewhere in the four realm, but um, yeah, that, that was before my time. So orchestra test bench for the listener. Like if you're developing a Laravel package, you're just in PHP. It's just there's no Laravel. You're just in a PHP project. You can bring in PHP unit, but you don't have Laravel at all. 
or Laravel's test case or service providers or anything, but you're developing a Laravel package. So presumably you're offering things you like maybe an artisan context. Command. Yeah. And so the natural thing to do is, well, I need to use this inside an app and write tests against it inside the app or at least use it. So maybe like I've done this where I've had a, a Laravel app dedicated to the package right next to the package. Yep. Um, that's probably the common thing to do. But that's lame because you have two repositories. Um, so Orchestra Test Bench is this thing that basically gives you, if you like dig into Orchestra Test Bench, like vendor slash orchestra slash test bench core, there's a Laravel folder that has a Laravel app in it. Mm-hmm. And so when you're like testing against stuff, like there's a cache folder inside that folder that actually gets, you know, updated. Like it's a Laravel app. Yeah. And basically all all that Orchestra Test Bench is, is a Laravel app that spins up and then it registers your service providers and does whatever else you need it to do to like spin up your package. Right. And then it just runs PHP in it. Yep. Yeah. Or you just run it's PHP. It's pretty awesome. It. it doesn't give you an app directory though. It doesn't, it doesn't like allow you to do that. So I had to manually oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. auto load, like deep auto load in their vendor directory, uh, their app directory. Anyway, so I finally, like, I could get away with mostly not having it for Livewire, but I needed it. So I've been using it, and now it's great because I can just do artisan call and then pass in a Livewire command and then make assertions on, like, files that get created and stuff. So that's interesting. So Livewire is decoupled enough that what were the things that forced you to need it? Um, Yeah, right. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. I would have assumed that you would have needed it a year ago. You know? Yeah, I didn't just bring it in. I ha- I did maybe halfway halfway in, I pulled it in. Yeah, let me think. So the JavaScript stuff tested, the PHP stuff is tested. Maybe I just piecemeal pulled in, like, the router. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, as I say it, it sounds weird. But basically, I haven't gone... Like, so for the... There's art, there's Livewire Make. So you, or Make Livewire. Artisan Make Livewire that generates mm-hmm. a component or two classes um, or sorry, the component class and then the view, the corresponding view. And so the nice way, the end to end way of doing that is to basically in your test do artisan call and then pass in a string that is make colon live wire. And then let's say counter, then make yep. assertions that those files exist and contain certain things, whatever. Yep. Before I had the, the make command just deferred to a parser. So there's like a yep. make command parser class. And I just unit tested that parser class to make sure that if I pass in counter, it's, it has a property of like class name, class path, view name, view path, stuff like that. So that was good enough gotcha. for me. But Cool. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Um, so anyway, you had a test, you have a testing, you have a topic burning a hole in your pocket. I do. The, the vibe I got. Consider this test. You... I'm considering. I'm, well, I'm open to considering. We're in a classic Laravel app. Classic. Classic. Forget about Vue for a minute. It's so hard, man. I barely know Laravel anymore. <laughs> you said... Yeah, I, I can confirm that Daniel doesn't know Laravel anymore. <laughs> I know it. It's just like the, the edge case stuff that used to be like my pride and joy. Yeah. Like knowing all the little little tips and tricks. Right. Has completely vacated my brain. And That's like crazy. new stuff has been added since I was like super all over laravel and so like i'm not sure what stuff is things i've forgotten and what stuff is things that have been added in the last like two point versions or whatever so who knows that's funny yeah we'll we'll get to that after the testing that the daniel like messaged me something that i was very surprised at 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, anyway, carry what does this do? <laughs> I'm like, dude. Dude, come on. You know this. <laughs> um, like, we've definitely talked about it on the podcast. I we guarantee you. We like, must have. Definitely. So, testing. Consider this test. You have um, a um, jelly yeah. beans. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an app for managing jelly beans. And you mm-hmm. have the Jelly Belly Beans Jeans. creation page. What's uh-huh. that? The app is called Belly Jeans. <laughs> Something about that is like I picture. You, you it's got such a visual. It's such a visual name. It is. You could just picture it. I picture like a fat guy in short uh-huh. jeans, little tiny jeans, little tiny jeans, cutoffs, belly jeans, so like you, Tobias in uh, arrested development yeah yep the never like those cutoffs but like a larger man right a larger man and he's completely naked but the shorts are like it's just like Uh a belly cover that's jeans Uh belly jeans belly jeans belly jean is not (laughs) bad uh all right so you've got a jelly bean app called belly jeans that's right (laughs) and there's the jelly bean create page Mm-hmm. And on it, there's a drop down of belly jean colors. Mm-hmm. And you select one, and then you name the jelly bean, and you enter a size and a weight and a flavor, and then you hit submit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now let's TDD this feature. Okay. So we create a test. Let's say it's mm-hmm. create jelly bean test.php. Yes. First method. What's the first yes. method in this class? Can create jelly bean. All right. So what 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 does that method look like? Uh, well, hold on. Tell me more about. So there's a controller for this, right? Sure. Is this like an API controller, or is are we creating it in the UI? What's that? This is this is all just standard like, blade. Okay, it's just standard. There's blade. like a create. So we're like there's a controller like the, with a, a restful controller. controller with a create uh-huh. method that returns a view and passes okay. these yep. colors to it. And then there's um, a store method and whatnot, whatnot. Yeah, so I would probably do uh, like a f- feature uh, test that basically is like can create jelly bean that just posts to the create thing okay. and gets back a jelly bean that it expects. Okay. Um, would you have any test covering the create page itself? Uh, you mean like rent the HTML that's rendered? Sure. Or like, would you have a test that's like, make sure or colors are available or can can see colors in on create page or something? Uh, I would normally not write that test okay. unless there was some logic about the colors that they weren't just like class constants or something. Yeah. Because it kind of sounds like they're constants that are stored somewhere, right? Mm, they're fixtures, so maybe they're in a table in the database. Maybe they're not. Yeah, I don't think I would test that. But let's say that it's um, like jelly bean types. There's that uh-huh. an admin panel you can manage the types, and okay, uh-huh. I, it makes sense. So I, f- I found myself writing this test, and I felt like, why? Like this test was like assert, like get get the endpoint, get jelly bean mm-hmm. dot create whatever route. And then assert view has jelly bean colors and then pass mm-hmm. in the closure and then basically s- assert that the whatever that object is, is what's in the database. Jelly bean type or jelly bean colors colon colon all. 
which is basically just redoing the implementation that's in the controller of Jelly Bean, mm-hmm. Colors, Colon, Colon, All. And so I did that and I realized, I, I mean, I just knew like, this is dumb. This is so dumb. Um, so I deleted that. And you know why? It's because we don't have this. I feel like this should be a browser kit test. Okay. Yeah, interesting. So, because then you actually get a little value out of it. What's that? That, like, then you at least get some value out of it. That, like, filling a form and clicking a button gives you the result in the database. Yeah. You know? It, it is interesting. There's like, because that, that Cause was the, the way of testing in Laravel before. I think it still should be the way, honestly. I think it should never have gone. And like Dusk was an attempt to fill the void left by ripping BrowserKit out. Yeah. Um, and it did more things than BrowserKit ever did. And it lets you test JavaScript components and stuff. But at the end of the day, like we're kind of left with mocking or like sending a post request, right? Yeah. Like we can't we can't go through and fill out the form and press the button. Right. You know? Um, so at that point, all we're like, you can write a lot more tests, like tests that before would have tested something now only test that the controller logic is the controller logic that you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I don't, I feel like I don't want to go back to that too. Really? Yeah. Because it's, well, then you're just that. I mean, that's fine, and I think that's what most people generally do, and that's what I generally do when I'm not using BrowserKit. You know, yeah. there's a few times where I've pulled in BrowserKit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, let's uh, generally for the I user just, what BrowserKit testing is. Yeah, so BrowserKit was before was just the, like the default test case in Laravel, um, and you could do things like filling a field and clicking a button and all sorts of things on the actual page yeah um and so you could basically write a test that says like um this so like you you visit i think it was visit was the method so it was like this visit uh whatever route jellybean.create um and then you would say fill jellybean color red and then you would say press create and then you could assert that that jelly bean existed that's the throwback that press the you know yeah the click press. and press so like good press is for a button click is yeah. for an a tag yeah so at, at the, the the at the core of it is a a component uh symphony component uh symphony dom crawler component and so what it does is it actually there's no selenium running where dusk is an actual dusk actually loads a browser window and does stuff but this browser kit paradigm use symphony dom crawler which is just straight php and it sort of does its best to pretend to be a browser sort of like it doesn't yep. even pretend to be a browser but it, it behaves in that way that you can fill in a bunch of input you can click a button and it'll, it'll know like what form it's under and submit the form and and whatnot so yeah, it's, it can't do anything with really the state of the browser yeah there's no javascript there's no um I don't know what else there's none of but but yeah. It yeah. Yeah. So so it it got you pretty far and it was pretty cool cuz you could write these these tests that now you're writing in Dusk they were basically like the same sort of syntax but they would run instantly. And they're so fast. They were so fast. They're just as fast as any other test. Yep. Um 
which is pretty awesome. And then this is, I guess this is, we're just doing a history lesson, a Laravel testing history lesson. Then dust came out. And I don't know what the order of events exactly is, but I think... I don't think that was the order of events. What's this that? is why I I think, and I could be wrong, and someone's going to go get the GitHub commit histories and prove me wrong, but I think that uh, BrowserKit was split off into its own thing. Well, no, it wasn't even split off into its own thing. First, it was removed in Laravel. And then the BrowserKit repo appeared because people were sad that it was gone. And it was like, okay, if you really want it, you can go pull it in from this other repo. And then Dusk came out. I'm pretty sure that was the order. Interesting. I'm surprised that they got rid of it before Dusk. But yeah, yeah, right. So you I can pull it in. An, it's like Laravel browser had, kit testing, and it's a yeah repository. Um, yeah, and somewhere in there, I think this is important to mention because Adam is the the testing guy. That his like influence on the way to test in Laravel was like anti-browser kit testing. As far as I know, I could yeah. be misrepresenting him, but for mm-hmm. the most part, he was very much all his like in, in test-driven Laravel is like API type tests. Yep. Right, which is totally different than that. He doesn't like but like he doesn't like looking for things in a view. He'd rather assert that the view has a piece of data. Yep. Yeah. That I think that's something that that maybe like I liked the freedom of decoupling from the presentation layer. Um, because you can write cleaner tests and you're not depending on presentational stuff that could change. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't, the thing I like about browser kit test was never the asserting that you see something in a view. Although that is really nice for quickly spinning up like the first instance of your application. Yeah. Right. Like your first test, it's a really good convenient thing. Yeah. But, um, but that was never the real power of it to me. The power of it was like, I got to do things like filling in fields, you know, yep. and like asserting that, like, like I don't know. It just felt there's a more gap like, now. Like, like a user a was doing filled. something, you know. What's yeah. that? The user was. It felt like the user was doing something, and we all knew that, like, you know, it didn't cover everything, right? right. And there could be some weird thing where, like something happened in the browser like jquery did something on your page or something like you know but at the end of the day we knew like you could write a test that was like user like user is redirected to checkout page after selecting or after agreeing to terms of service you know and you could just say like user checks the agree to terms of service button user presses confirm assert redirect Yep, the term the this page. Yeah, you know, and it was just like, ooh, that user did that thing, and then they went to the place that we thought they should. Right. It it connected more to dots like, than the current. A post request happened to hit this endpoint. Where did that post request come exactly. from? Exactly. What page generated that post request? Now I have to go like search the DOM or search the routes file for like, you know, like there's all kinds of ways you could have ended up at this API endpoint. This test doesn't tell me how I got here. You know. Yeah. That was the thing I miss. Yeah, it's true. I, I feel the same way that less things are connected now. So in this example, our jellybeans, create jellybeans test.php, in the way that you'd currently write it, I, I generally write a test that makes sure that it can see the create page. And that mm-hmm. test always feels really lame to me. Mm-hmm. But I honestly think it's it's one of the most important tests. That like it actually does a significant thing 
it renders the page, you know, like it goes to the controller and renders all the DOM. So all your templating, you, there's no errors in your templating, at least for the happy path. Like, you know that. Yeah. Just from one test that says this arrow get, and then assert successful. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. I mean, I don't do it, but I, I get it. Yeah. I, I'm just sort of formulating that myself right now. I think it's odd to assert the view has stuff. I never, I'm not a huge fan of the assert view has thing. Me neither. Yeah. Maybe some things, if you do lots of compositional work inside the controller, like in the farther up, like you do, like yeah. your data Yeah. And especially if you're stuff. doing like, yeah, like weird string manipulation or something. Yeah, exactly. Like that. And then you could assert like view has, yeah. Like we, we did a thing recently on that, uh, what did we say that the app was? It was like a pizza place finding app or something like that. Um, I don't remember. The app I was working on in React Native. Um, mm-hmm. In that app, uh, one of the things that we did is like, depending on what country you were in, we returned distances either as miles or kilometers. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that's the type of thing where like asserting that like the view gets something, you know, yeah. is like valuable because it's like, oh yeah, like there's like four different things involved here and like any of them could break. So like the easiest way to test this is just to say like, Oh, like this user is in Germany. They visit this page, assert that they see 75 kilometers. Yeah. You know, I'm like, all right, cool. That tests that we are able to detect their location. We're able to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, the assert view has thing feels off to me especially if i'm rewriting stuff that i wrote inside the controller Mm -hmm. um but i did i did sort of realize that that was something that i came upon that i was like i really think that just loading a freaking page is super valuable like some of the most valuable tests it's literally the most flexible test you can write you'll never need to change it assert okay is a great method yeah uh what's his name jason mccreary just tweeted that uh, assert okay and assert successful are different yes i never knew uh, that i just always assert successful yeah assert okay fails on a 201 yeah assert okay is just 204 yeah and then successful is any 200 yeah i don't know i know that 200 is green for assert okay and 201 okay. is red gotcha weird why why does that exist i don't know weird yeah okay um yeah that's one of those weird ones that i saw that and i was like that's lame nobody's gonna remember that that's dumb i'm sure there's a reason oh the difference yeah yeah no the difference is dumb yeah the difference is very dumb so so a i think that's really valuable and i think i just needed to get that out there um and then the right those those post tests where there's that disconnect like make sure that the page exists and can load and then you're writing a test that just hits the post request. It doesn't actually submit a form or anything, so you don't know. But I guess, like, I feel pretty good about... Um, I feel good about not testing it that browser kit way where you submit the form. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. So the the thing that fails for me is, like, the tests as documentation of how the app works. You know? Like, it starts to lose... Because the beautiful thing about those tests is, like, and like maybe this is just how I think, you know, and it might just differ from how other people think, but like I want to know, like for example, I am working on a project that you have worked on previously, 
right now. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about it on the show before. It was the one where there was like a big, long, interactive, like quiz type of thing, or a wizard. Big long in- in- wizard. Thank you. There's a big long interactive wizard, and you could be at multiple steps in the wizard at various points. And you have to save that state and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, and so when I'm looking at this code, I want to know. What view did they start on? What interaction did they do? What view did they end up on? Because mm-hmm. that lets me debug a lot of things quickly, yeah. right? Whereas a test that just says a post request came into this endpoint doesn't tell me what page generated that post request. It's interesting. I think I think there's a case for having a... I don't think that those, those tests are bad, but th- those feel more like API tests to me, maybe. Yeah. No, I agree. I think there should be a this. So anytime. I think there's a case for this arrow get jellybeans.create arrow post. uh, Well, I guess now it returns a response. So then another this arrow post jellybeans.store. Yes. Because... um, well, one, there's an actual practical benefit that if you don't have the dot .get and there's, if you redirect back, it won't know where to redirect back to. Um, or in a real life scenario, it'll redirect mm, back to that page. And I've hit that before and I've had to do it and I've always felt bad about it. I'm like, oh, do I really have to add this get request before? But it really is more realistic. One, it's better documentation. It's like, go to this page. What about, what about a this.from? Like just as an alias for dot .get, yeah. but that you can chain on the post so it doesn't return a test and response. It, and it just returns this, yeah, instead of... That's pretty returning. cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, me I'm too. I'm going to be straight up with you right now. I dig it. Kayla, remember when on our podcast we used to come up with what methods that we wanted in Laravel and then make pull requests and get them in? I do. It's been a while since we've done that. <laughs> it is. We a, should bring it back. It's been a hot minute. Maybe we should do a this dot from. Yeah, submit it to Laravel, and then they'll yell at us and say, "Sorry, you can't use JavaScript dot notation and PHP." And we'll get no denied. plans to merge. No plans to merge, dude. It's been forever since I wrote a Laravel pull request. I should do one. Yeah, me too. It's been great. You should do it. I think this from is a great thing and i've definitely because i've definitely had to do the this get so one it's better documentation two it's more realistic like it actually loads the page that you'll then be posting from Mm -hmm. um those are the two ones so you get all the redirection juice and it's good it's very good i like it a lot i like it i like (laughs) it a lot (laughs) so that's one thing that's good um and assert this is the thing when you're testing, like, so if you do currently in Laravel, if you do an assert redirect to or whatever, I don't know. I think it's just assert redirect, right? So you want to make yeah. sure that when the post is created, when the jelly beans created, you're redirected to the jelly bean factory landing page. Oh, this is a whole other problem with testing. What? Multiple redirects. Why? Um... I've just run into this recently where like, I, I forget what my solution was. I ended up finding like that there was a good way to do it, but I have the way like, 
by default, it only tests the first redirect. I know. It's bogus. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. And you can add follow redirects, uh-huh. and it will follow the redirects, but it will. It never loads the final page that you're on or something. Yeah, it's. I forget. It's been like a week or two since I hit this, and I was like, when I was doing it, I was like, this is dumb. It's dumb. Like, it's very dumb. <laughs> and yeah, so when you're basically doing an assert, right, be, let's not even worry about that actual problem that you're describing. Anytime mm-hmm. you're assert redirecting, you're just making basically all Laravel's doing is seeing that the, that the response that came back has the location header of where you want to go which the browser yeah. will then do the redirect. Well, not only that, it also asserts that it is a redirect response. Sure, 301. Right. Oh, this is what it is. This is what it is. Um, I think when you do follow redirects, the it actually does load the last page, and so then that comes back 200. And so it then assert redirect fails. I think that's what it was. There was something weird like that. That was like the type of thing I ended up... So it's like I, could, I can follow redirects, okay. in which case... Assert redirect fails, yeah. or I can assert redirect, in which case I only get the first redirect, and if there's multiple chained redirects, it fails. The whole redirection system is messed up, and it's a hard yeah. problem. I, I went down this rabbit hole, and I talked to Taylor about it at some point, um, but I ended up basically writing... I forget if Keith helped me. He might have. I don't know. He's a helpful guy. What's that? He's a helpful guy. He probably helped. Yeah. So there's this, I, it's actually in the project you're working on, I believe. It's like a macro for following redirects, but it actually mm. does. And then it actually, the, the thing that I want is I want you to follow the redirects what and I actually want. load the page you end up on. What I want is a guarantee. Know what I'm saying? No more attempts on my father's life. Yes, I do understand what you're saying, and that is beautiful. Because right now we're just testing that it's that you got the redirect header. We're yeah, not you got testing or something. that the destination yeah. loaded. And like I said, that is the value of these PHP tests is we can of of using Blade is we can test all of this templating, all the templating wiring, like instantly. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is killer. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting. You are straddling a fence that I'm not sure I understand why you're straddling it. Okay. You are talking out of both sides of your mouth, I think. I think (laughs) on the one hand, you're saying, I don't like to assert that the view has things. I don't like to test whatever, whatever. Right? Which, fair enough. I don't really like that either. But then on the other hand, you're saying... Uh, I love to be able to test all the templating wiring by asserting that the page loaded correctly. Yeah. Which, to me, one is just a slight extension of the other. And then on the third hand, which you're a very strange three-handed man, on the third hand, you're saying, I don't care about testing all of that templating wiring up front. I'm totally fine with a post request appearing out of thin air. No, I I mean, I like the from. I like from too. I did. That's all I want. I just want to contextualize my tests. You know, I want to. I want them to live in inside the rich history of of an app's story. You know, because we're all storytellers here, Caleb. It's true. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just got going and I couldn't stop. <laughs> so, Deagle. Yeah. Focus with me. I'm with you. Be with me. 
Be here now. Dong. Um, Dong. So you're right. But so I don't like the assert view has because it just asserts that the view has the thing and nothing more. So what I do like, and this is going to be crazy, and this is where Mr. Wathen and I differ, I believe. I do like asserting, assert seeing. I like to do a little bit of assert seeing. So on my jelly beans page, I load a jelly bean page that shows the jelly bean or. All right, here's. I, you know, assert see in Laravel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was when you were saying assert view has, I was picturing assert C. Oh, no. Decode. Oh, you're testing. Oh, assert view has actually tests the data that is passed yeah. to the view. Yeah. Oh, that's pointless. No one cares about that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I would only consider, based on your current argument, I would consider that you would be a guy who loved to assert C. Yeah. I'd love to assert C. Yeah. Okay. That fits with everything I know about you. Good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I try to, I mean, sometimes it's just not a good thing to do, but honestly, in general, it's more just the theory of coupling to, to the view that <laughs> is a hang-up. In reality, if you have a Jelly Beans fine. show page, you're going to freaking show the Jelly Bean title on the page. End of story. Yeah, and you should, you're never you going to not show the title of the Jelly Bean on the, ti- on the show Jelly Bean page. I fundamentally agree with you. You know, <laughs> and there's yeah. a bunch of instances like that. Like if you're looking for stuff in a dropdown, just assert C. You know, yeah. just make sure that, you know, I'd rather do and, that than assert view has because like when I assert of... C, it does the templating and I get more juice out of my tests, you know? Yeah, you get the juice. It's all about the juice. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Do you know that Chance the Rapper song, Juice? Mm, is No, probably not. Maybe. It's an incredible song that I think you should listen to after this. And we should put it as our outro music or something. Um, right. Anyway, continue. So that's one thing. This has been good. Mm-hmm. This has been good. I got yeah, another no, weird I, testing one for you. Go on. I think you're internally consistent, and I don't think there's any reason to really fight you that hard. I like what you're doing. Good. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So, Decole. Yes, sir. You got a controller method. I you sure do. You sure do. And it fires a job that does stuff. Okay. Okay. You can yes. write a test. So, you know what I really like? Mm. I like tests that test a whole interaction. Mm-hmm. So, in my test, why don't we just set this here job queue driver to sync? Mm-hmm. Of course. Right? And then why yes. don't we just write a test here that hits an endpoint? Yes. Gets a response back and make sure that all the work happened. All the Including the, the work the that was in happened. the job. Yes. That makes a lot of sense to me. That's the correct thing to do. But... It's the not butt. the way it behaves in real life. Put your butt away, sir. What's that? I said, put your butt away, sir. <laughs> it's not the way it behaves. <laughs> what do you mean? No, I just wrote a test like this the other day. So in real life, jobs get queued. Yeah. And then the request finishes. Uh-huh. And then the job goes and does its thing. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I could try to fabricate an example of why so let's say that in the controller like the job sets some state to something mm. you know what i'm saying like in real life the work of the job happens after the work of the rest of I the do control know what you're saying so so it, what we should do we should have a job driver ooh 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 caleb more methods more test methods here was here's what you do okay 
with job effects or assert job effects. Oh, so it it, it cues the it, job until the end. Assert of Assert job response. effects takes a closure, and then that closure gets past this, and so then you have all of the test method assertions available to you inside that closure. Yeah, and then it runs that closure like so. Then it like runs the whole chain. It like stores. Can you even store closures in memory in PHP? I don't think you can. JavaScript. JavaScript has ruined me. Um. You can but store yeah, closures anyway, into stuff. I don't know if you would be able to... You might have to just like keep passing it along and passing it along. But anyway, that'd be really cool that you could like... You could basically store that closure and then later you run the job in some sort of a synchronous but at the end way. Interesting. Like you would have just a test driver that's basically like... It's not async async, but it's like... Yeah. It just defers it until everything else has happened like on, on tear down it runs the job and then runs whatever closures were in the with job effects yeah. stuff yeah 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 that's good that's good that is the best way and here's why because hit me well point a we know the problem we're async solution bad. a which is sync driver the problem is it's not mm-hmm. the way it behaves in real life yes and so there could be situations where right uh something was required like something wasn't nullable but because this thing happened to have been created just in time it got set and so you didn't find out that that thing needed to be nullable all along. that's a perfect example yeah perfect yeah nice situation b is that you write a test that uses the normal driver some deferment or fakes jobs or job whatever without jobs or trade something like that Yes. Runs the thing, ignores the job. Yes. Maybe oh, you do an assert that it was dispatched. Yes. So you That's make sure that the job was dispatched, right? Common. That's the one end of common. it. Common. And then you have another test that tests the functionality of the job, right? Common. Yes. But you don't so that is the other solution. But yes. the problem with that is that you don't have the setup of what to pass the into context. the job. Right, exactly. That you automatically get for free. From Once again, we are robbed of context by making things so testable. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So your solution is perfect. Something that gives you a way to run the job after the complete controller run, the complete request run, and then make assertions after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. I think it would be cool too. Dude, we're covering ground here. Dude, we've like, <laughs> yeah, we've done a lot, done a lot today. These are good things. These are good things. I'm just keep thinking about that. I'm trying to find like a, a hole to poke in it. Yeah, you just do it on teardown of the request. Heck yeah, man. It's great. I like it. It's I like really it. good. Yeah. It needs to happen. This is good. This is good. Yeah, someone should do that. Uh let's assign that one to the audience because that's gonna take more time and work. <laughs> <laughs> audience meet you back here in a week we'll do the small thing you do the big thing yep perfect (laughs) find each other on twitter and pair so that's good any other any other testing things we got going on here um (sighs) just the redirects man the redirects are not so that's three things we hit we hit redirects we hit 
Man, we did cover ground, sir. Yeah, we did. Whew. So when you have, let's say that you walk into an app and it's it's got oodles of reports. <laughs> a priest and a programmer walk into an app. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's got a lot of reports, sure. Tons of reporting. Completely untested. Yep. Oof. Try to write, what do you do? How do you test reporting? Reporting is one of those things that's, there's so much to test and you run such a high risk of tightly coupling and or rewriting lo- like program logic inside your tests mm-hmm. for the reporting. It's one of those things that's like, I want to just snapshot test reports, like a generated PDF or something like that. Or a CSV That's or actually kind of a sexy idea. And just snapshot the whole thing, make sure the reports work. Snapshot yeah. tests, I got this love-hate with them because they really do, they're phenomenal, but they also suck because they can contain errors, of course. Yeah. And then right. if you want to update it, you have to like regenerate the snapshot and then you, you're not going well, to go through and test every... What's that? You have to trust people too. Who? Like other developers? Other programmers. Yeah, it's true. Um, And like... This is like we we as Titan often get pulled into projects where like sometimes like you there was a test suite but like no one has updated the test suite in a year and a half and like there's this like totally out of date test suite that works on part of the app or whatever yeah. you know and like so we're supposed to like whip stuff into shape but there's still other developers who I know for sure based on their actions don't run the tests yeah um or when they do run the tests, do whatever is required to make the test go green, including like deleting tests or commenting out sections, you know? Yeah. Like, and so if I'm going to, if I'm in one of those situations, I want to write tests that are more explicit than snapshot tests. It's true. Because I, I know that they're going to overwrite the snapshot with a dirty snapshot at some point. Yeah. it It's almost like... um if you like it's for rerouting traffic like if you're a construction worker or something it's a detour like you got to work on this chunk of the road so you put in you know it's like scaffolding mm-hmm. or something it's something that's yeah, it's like, like those big i want to refactor they put over the hole what's that it's like when they cut a hole in your in your road and then they put those big metal plates over it for you to drive over. <laughs> it's that, yeah. Like, you don't want to leave it. You want to put it yeah. there so people can keep driving. You want to put it there. I mean, this it's not a great analogy. There's probably a better one. But Sorry, you, it's just happening on my road right now. So <laughs> <laughs> is it still going on, the road thing? Oh, man. Probably for a Dude, long time. Can I tell you what? A lady's suing them because they got... Uh, Jack, they jackhammered too much, and they got dust all over solar panels. Ooh, just anyway, hose it off. Continue. Yeah, but like it's like it's a whole thing. I don't know. Anyway, snapshot tests are phenomenal. If you want to do a big refactor, pop in, pop in a snapshot test, but then take it out. Like if you leave it in, it's like leaving right. scaffolding somewhere. Convert it to meaningful tests. In fact. Yeah. There's probably good arguments to be made that you shouldn't even do that to begin with. Is there? Like, why why not write the expressive test to begin with? And then just refactor. Because you parts. don't understand the business logic? It's true, but then if you're removing the snapshot test, like, 
You're just leaving. But, okay. It. No, no. Let me make an argument. I'm a contractor. I get pulled into an app that's exist a code base that's existed for five years. Yeah. You know, there's tons of code. Nobody really understands how it works. Yeah. You know, and my job is to like fix some deep internal part of the app. Yeah. That touches everything. You know. Yeah. And so. I write snapshot tests because it would take me a year to understand this app fully, you know? So I'll yep. just write snapshot tests so I can go in and do my work. And then three months later, by that point, I probably understand enough about what I've been doing to write an expressive test. Yeah. But at the beginning, I didn't even know what I was doing. So I couldn't write an expressive test because I hadn't learned the environment yet. Yep. Yeah, you're right. 100%. I agree. So refactoring like obscure code it's a tool or it's dead code tool. reviving dead code that's what it should be what's that you know if you if you take that definition of dead code that just says code that's not tested okay yeah yeah um legacy code right or sorry legacy not dead uh if you take that so like reviving legacy code which means like bringing it into the light of being tested and part of the code base that's tested yeah um snapshots are a good tool for that because they prove that the legacy code still does what it's always done and that we haven't broken anything. Um, and they also sort of denote like, it's like those orange like men at work signs that they hold by the side of the road. Mm -hmm. It sort of denotes like, we're doing stuff over here. Exactly. We're refactoring. We're working on bringing these things into the light. It's a construction zone. But I don't think it's necessarily that useful for new feature development. Yeah, Except no, definitely is. not. Well, it's what do you snapshot to? <laughs> you know, right. it only works. It doesn't really work for um, feature development. Well, well, it can if there's like other people's like API endpoints and stuff involved. Oh, I got you. Snapshots on the other like PHP VCR uh -huh. type thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. You're not testing the snapshot, which is fun you're itself. You're That's using, a, the and snapshot. I actually think I m much prefer PHP VCR. They're two totally different things. Snapshot assertions yeah. and snapshots being used like as, as fixtures. As fixtures, exactly. And I, I'm fine with the fixture thing. Hell yeah. So, decal. Dude, I really like that idea. No, I, hold, I want, I'm not done. I'm, I really like the idea that like you could tell your team, like, like you could just put your snapshots in a separate suite, right? Maybe not. But you could basically tell your team, like, if there's a snapshot test somewhere, like, it's being worked on, right? Okay. Uh, oh, man, I just read this. Kent. Speaking of Kent C. Dodds, our, our good friend, <laughs> Kent C. Dodds just wrote this big testing medium post that I was reading right before the show. Ooh. Um, and one of the things that they were talking about is that Facebook deletes tests that don't... That, um, that don't test a specific way. I forget exactly what he said. Um, basically, that uh, if you want... Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, man, I can't... Basically, they have, like, some standard for tests. He was outlining, like, what the standards for tests should be, right? Yeah. And then he was saying that Facebook has a rule that if there's a test that doesn't meet this standard... Hmm that they just delete it cool um and i forget what the standard was but that seemed that kind of seems like what you could do with snapshots is like you tell people like 
snapshot tests should only go in places where we don't have full test coverage and we're actively refactoring. Yeah. If either of those two things isn't the case, you delete the snapshot test. Yep. Because, like, it didn't serve any purpose anyway. Right. Yeah, I dig. I'll have to read that. Hmm. It's a big one. Cool. That's good. It probably means it's it's got some meat on its bones. Probably thoughtful. Yeah. So, Nicole. Yes. Real quick. Tell me. Real quick. Yeah. About you not knowing Laravel anymore and higher order methods. Dude, so here's the deal. For the last year-ish, I have worked primarily as a, as a JavaScript developer. Um, and always in context of a Laravel app, you know? Yeah. But often in situations where I knew React better than anyone else on the project. Yep. And so if there's a lot of React work to do, I would do it. And if there was like big Laravel app, Laravel work to do, it made more sense for other people to do it. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, and the Laravel work I have been doing, and like, I, it's not like I haven't been doing Laravel. Like, I've made Laravel PRs in the last while. Yeah. You know? Yep. But most of those apps, the business logic of the Laravel app was very simple. You know, it's just like a little bit eloquent, really basic stuff. You return it to the front end, and then now there's a React app there doing things with it. Yeah. You know, and so it's been quite some time since I've like really dug into like a complex Laravel app um, and working on uh, the wizard again, the wizard app. like there's complexity there, like yep. in a big bad way. And so it's been real interesting because it's like and also like it's your a lot of it is your code. Yeah. And you are more apt to do things in an interesting way, you know? <laughs> so there's things that are, like, not what I would call, like, the beaten path of, like, how you would write something, I think. Yeah. Like, it's not it's not how I would default to writing something. Yeah. And, like, often after I deal with it for a little bit, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm glad it's like this. Mm-hmm. But there are things where I'm like... Yeah, like that. That no whole doubt. step, the whole step calculation thing. That is what's up. <laughs> is I just want to tell not you. Saying, not saying it's bad. No, not saying it's bad. What I am saying is it is obtuse to me. Yeah, it took. It still is taking me time to understand how it works. It's the savior and, of the world. <laughs> and I recently actually revisited it because I still have really? the project locally, like yeah. just a couple days ago. So if you. Um, talk about how that works. It's phenomenal because the setup thing. Yeah, the setup steps. Yeah. or whatever. So if you're in a, you have a wizard, and you and the wizard that let's say there's five steps in the wizard, and each step builds up the user. It adds on new tables to the user object, and all sorts of things happen as the user progresses through this mm-hmm. wizard. So it's like an, it's like you're applying for something. Yeah. And so you want to write tests for every step. Yep. And there's lots of very intricate needs, like specific test permissions where 
a, a user can only go forward and can't go back except if they're on step five, then they can go to step two. But then when they go forward from step two, they need to go back to step five. So there's mm-hmm. all sorts of very, very crazy. Actually, now that I'm re-describing it, I think you might be talking about something different than I nope, am. No, that's what I'm talking about. I know, but I, I think what I what I revisited was maybe not what, what I'm describing. So one of the chief problems of writing tests around all these things is that I found myself writing factories where I would have some, fa- like for a test, I would need to get somebody to step five, you know? Yep. So I'd have to do all this factory work. And basically... Mm-hmm. I'm hard coding the results of getting someone to step five. And so if I change something in step one, now the factory stuff to get the person to step five is out of sync, you know? Yep. So you're dealing with this problem. So basically what I did was I abstracted the step, all all the logic of each step that used to live inside controllers. I put them Mm -hmm. inside their individual step objects. And Mm -hmm. each step object is kind of immutable in a sense. Like it has a like, it's like, like go it has an like an authorized method which is like am i allowed to see this yeah step? right and then it has a is complete method yep. which says have i already completed this step and then it has a complete method which yeah. is like a hook for when you complete that step right where you pass a user in presumably and it passes you back whatever a transformed user um, right so inside my factories for tests i could actually put a fake factory user through each step yes by like using so the factory is using the exact same code that the that the actual production code uses so for factory purposes it is killer like that that was a huge um boon to productivity for me and just security in general now that you're talking about it i'm remembering the absolute hell it was to get step authorization working properly and right. makes sense. That is so mind-boggling. Adding, and let me tell you, it's gotten way better than it was, but it's still bonkers. I am in the process of adding steps in the middle. Oh. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I tried to make it so that it would be almost as and, easy as adding it into an array. So, yes, you did try that. Um, here's the thing that's missing, and I think this is what I'm going to do. And this is a great sanity check to be able to check if I'm crazy before I do this. Do you think I can add a hook to the front of the step that does work when a step is reached instead of doing the completed hook? Or, sorry, leave the completed hook as it, or the complete method as it is. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want like a, like an on load method for each step that isn't going to get called on any of the other ones, but... In this instance, like this is a step that on completing is sometimes going to redirect back to itself over and over and over again until you've completed all of the requirements. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Um, I don't know. All right. There's crazy cool. things. I remember also like There's some so steps many crazy things. weren't actually visual. Like they would be combined yeah. into one page. So like uh-huh. they each one was their own page and then the requirements changed and it became yep. like three steps were in one page. But mm-hmm. they still, so it got crazy, but I feel, I mean, I tried to handle it as best I could. And I remember feeling decent about it, like feeling like no, it. No, it, it's a good design. I just like approaching it with like, huh, well, this is what I know I need to do. So here's, here's like a, an abstracted example of what needs to happen. Um, so you're applying for something. Let's call it 
a car loan, mm-hmm. right? You're applying for a car loan. Now imagine that one of the steps is like we we pull your credit history. Yeah. Right? And what comes back is like a series of past delinquent accounts. Yep. Right? And then so I'm adding an explanation step where you get to tell me you get to type in a text f- field what happened with each of those delinquent accounts. Yeah. Right? And so when you submit that form um if you have more delinquent accounts that you haven't yet submitted that form for, I want you to stay on the explanation step until you yeah. have now written an explanation for every delinquent account. Yeah. And then I can pass you on to the we'll review your delinquent account explanations right. page. Um, so it's an interesting one because it's just it's like, uh, what do you call it? Recursion. It's recursive. Right. So it's it's uh it's an interesting little thing. So I kind of want to do some work on the front end of that yeah. before the user submits the form and then save that complete method for submitting forms. Yeah. Interesting. Makes sense. But anyway, uh the thing I didn't understand, which was very interesting. Yeah. This is what we ended up messaging. Uh higher order collection methods. Um so sick. So sick. Uh, um, so you used a, uh, you used something where it's like you have a collection of things and you did arrow map as an attribute, not as a method, just the word map, mm-hmm. and then another arrow, and then a method that was on the child things that were getting mapped over. And I was like, okay, looking at this, I know what it does, but I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Like... I thought you had to just call the map function and then write a closure and then do the whole thing. And uh, I must have known it because it seems like the type of thing we would have talked about on here many times. Yeah, we totally we totally have. And one of my it, early hot tip tweets come was into like, Laravel. Elo- li- like Eloquent has just gotten so good, and it was this this like how you would do it in with the query builder, how you how you would do it in Code Igniter or something, and then it was like how you do it in Eloquent. And it turned mm-hmm. like 15 lines into one line and it used like a couple higher order methods and it was just beautiful. It's so sick. But yeah, it is absolutely I don't beautiful. know why I didn't like, it was one of those things where like, I'm almost embarrassed to not know about it, except that I'm so excited to now know about it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's crazy. It's totally it's crazy. So to explain to a user who might not understand or, or know. So if you have a collection... So like in Eloquent, if you have user, user arrow car loans, mm-hmm. sticking with car loans or, or car loan applications or whatever, and mm-hmm. you want to see if any of them are denied, user arrow car loan applications, and you could do arrow map. Um, and then you have a function. Yeah, let, let's just pretend that you do arrow map and then you have a callback that accepts an application and then you return application arrow is denied like a field called is denied and then when that's done after that maybe you do a filter that's like um yeah no you could just do contains true you, oh contains true yeah okay right yeah. contains so you yeah. can say if this yeah, array right. yeah if or if this new collection that is just all of the true or false of whether an application is denied right. If it contains any trues, then we know that you can't 
Proceed. Right. So then arrow contains true, and then you know if you have any denials or not. So you could instead just do user applications arrow map, and instead of it being a function, it's just like a property map, and then you arrow on that property. So arrow map arrow uh, is denied. Pluck to. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, well, interesting. Could you? I'm pretty sure. Just arrow is denied. Arrow is denied. Baller. That's the magic of it. Yeah. That's why it's so crazy. Look at the screenshot I sent you. So you could do, right. So arrow map, arrow, just the field that you want it to map to. And then Uh arrow contains. Contains. So the crazy thing to understand about higher order stuff is that it's only one level deep. So. You arrow map, then you're in a different context. You're in the context, you're pretending that you're inside a loop. And then mm-hmm. after that, you pretend that you're after back the first outside method, you're the back loop. in the old context. It's crazy. And it returns this higher order proxy. And if you're ever looking for a good code dive, it's a it's a good one. Whew, it's actually one of the craziest. There's a couple things in Laravel that, that are just like, who and they all have the to do freaking with thought of this? Is it Taylor just thinking of chaining. stuff? What? It's all fluency stuff too it's cr- like who who thought that this could even be possible you know yeah well and that's what i was looking at it i was like okay i know what this does i cannot for the life of me figure out how this works i know it's like crazy <laughs> it's crazy it basically map returns a higher order an instance of higher order proxy which is a proxy object that stores the state and accepts a Whatever you then call on it, it will then internally call to what's underneath it and then return the results. So, like, it makes so, sense. Yeah, no, it does. It's just like, but it's buck bonkers. Wild. It's totally yeah. bonkers. It's phenomenal. It's one of my favorite parts of the Laravel code base, no doubt. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a bunch so, of higher order methods. There's map, there's filter, there's a. Uh, oh, there's one of my favorite flat map is just oh, the bees knees for higher mm. order stuff. Remember, um, you know what I used today? What'd you I haven't use? used in a while. Map with keys. Yeah, I actually use that quite a bit. It's a good one. I used it today myself, actually. It's, it's a real good one. And, like, it's weird because you return an array, but it, do- it doesn't stay an array. Yeah. Like, it gets flattened out, but just because of, like, the way the language is, like, right. you have to return an array. I think of but it like, it's cool. like for each, when you for each with an associative array and you yeah. blank, arrow blank, you know, blank. Key. Yeah, because it's like, it's like a, it's basically like a tuple. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. But it's like, we don't have them, so we just use an array. Yep. Straight up. Well, oh. sweet decal. This was a good episode. Yeah, this, dude, this one has been dense. You should give this one another listen. Because yeah. I'm going to listen to this a, a few times, I think. This is this is definitely this is a good one. This is like there's classic no plans to merge. Look at me, I'm not mm-hmm. even saying twenty percent time anymore. Look at you. I'm so proud of you, Caleb. Just classic, you know, lots of code, lots of lots of real life Laravel stuff. You know what we did in this one? What did we we came with the juice. We came with the juice. What do you mean? We just we got the juice in this one. It's it's a juicy one. You're right. We pumped it. Full of I juice. I got the juice. I got the juice. So before I leave, I'll leave the audience with one more pleasant sound. Wait. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) The pleasant sound is Daniel laughing.
Here we go. Did I already do that last time? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. But it was sitting here and I was like, who doesn't love this Oh my song? God, that was so beautiful. You just like punched your microphone. <laughs> I'll leave the audience with one more pleasant sound. <laughs> oh, it's gold. All right. Excellent. I like it. This is a good episode. Good podcast. It's a good episode. Check out the stickers, everyone, because uh, I was going to have a fundraising, a fundraiser dinner for myself mm-hmm. to fund my open source efforts, uh, like a mm-hmm. gala. At um, Laracon? Yeah. Yes. I was going to actually at uh, the Waldorf. Um, Astoria? Yeah. Yep. That would be so sick. Yep. Waldorf I salads would, for everyone. I would fund your open source efforts. Yeah, so I mean that's what I was planning on doing, but it's a lot of overhead. So instead, I made stickers to sell. So cool. So I encourage everyone to buy my stickers. Very, very cool. Uh, speaking of Laracon, and if you do, Daniel will sing you a song for everyone who buys stickers. <laughs> no, 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 no! I better get a cue outro music. No, where's my money? Um, speaking of Laracon, it's very soon, dude. Let's not talk. I'm about so Laracon. psyched. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see you soon, Caleb. I know. I'm excited for that. I'm. I'm a, we'll be seeing you over here. We'll be seeing you. Oh, yeah, you're, you're launching Lair. You're launching a live wire at Laracon. Yep. You're doing a talk about it. Which, by the way, live wire is now everything I ever wanted it to be. Oh yeah. Just so you know, audience. That's so cool. I was talking I'm with Nicole earlier, working out some stuff. There was one missing piece, one last missing piece, but it has been resolved has been resolved do you want to tell them what it was no no all right no. see you at Laracon, guys all right and probably next week between now and then but truth ttyl Alrighty. cue outro music now boom boom hell yeah <laughs>